This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Okay, how many got the Bible? Amen. How many got the notebooks? Amen. How many got their pens? And have that hunger in your heart. You want to grow and you want to know more. Well, tonight we're going to be talking about the most important parable that Jesus ever taught. And I'm going to show you a couple books while you turn to Mark chapter 4. <laughs> now, you can do better than that. I know you can do better than that. Uh, what, what I hear is short, funny stories. Sometimes I think they're short, funny stories. But that, you, kind of, you kind of remind me of something. You know, we, we, lived, we had a little farm-type atmosphere at our place back in, uh, well, actually this was before the one place, but we lived on a farm, 80-acre farm up in Noblesville, Indiana for a few years. We just rented the farmhouse and, and et cetera, et cetera. But we, we, we had a bunch of, we had a bunch of chickens. We used to raise some chickens up there, get our own eggs and everything. And we had several roosters. <laughs> and these roosters were like, were like young boys going through puberty. These roosters would start getting their crow. At the first they just little old roosters that just pecked around with the heads. And then they start going through puberty or something. They start getting their rooster and their, their voice and it would change. <laughs> Tried to do a cock and little do. They didn't have much yet because they wasn't developed or whatever they had. Anyway, we started noticing when our, when our boys were going through puberty, they hit that age where their voice started changing. And they had regular voices, you know, boys and girls basically sound the same until they go through puberty. And we started noticing our, our boys were kind of like that. They started talking, their voices started squawking like those roosters did. When they, anybody ever notice how the boys' voices changed? Well, anyway, I said, how many excited about this word we're getting to? That's kind of what you sounded like, that like you go through the chain. Well, yes, yes, amen. No, come on, guys. We're getting ready to look at the holy written word of God. How many's excited about that? <laughs> oh, that was so funny. At least I got, I got a batch of grandsons growing up now. What these days we're going to hear these grandsons change. It's so funny. It's good. Okay. Show you a couple of things out of the bookstore that will really help your faith. This is called Faith Food uh, Devotions for Autumn by Brother Hagen. <clears throat> we love these faith books. They really, really, really help you. What I love like, about, about Brother Hagen and his ministry, of course, he's in heaven now is he always kept things simple. He kept it short and simple. And I try to model my ministry after him to keep it simple. I don't teach on the super-duper deep things. I teach on simple things because you guys live in the real world like I do. And to be honest with you, I don't really care who the Antichrist is. I don't really care about the mark or any of that stuff there. It's going to happen. The Bible says it is. What I care about is I want to feed my family today. I want to have a dependable car I can drive. I want to have a house that really I like owning my own house. I want to have my house paid off. I want to be able, if my grandbabies get sick, to lay hands on them in Jesus' name and see them well. I want to see all my money go towards the gospel, my family things, and not to doctors and medicine and banks for high interest. In other words, I want to keep, I want to teach things to help people live an everyday Christian life. And I'll be concerned about things that are really none of our business. Amen. And so, anyway, this book here has short little devotions every morning that take you five minutes, ten minutes, unless you got time to sit and dig in the Word more through that. That's really good. And then this is kind of what we're talking about tonight called by Charles Capps called Seed Time and Harvest. Seed Time 
at harvest. And Charles Capps was the confession man, the seed time and harvest man. He really had together. He was one of my Bible school teachers for a couple semesters. And I'll tell you what, he was the guru of your mouth out of sowing and reaping. He was really, really, really good. But those are in the bookstore. Got plenty of them. You'll enjoy them. You'll enjoy them. How many are Mark chapter 4? All right. I want, I want to go through here. And because of time, I'll kind of hit the highlights I want to get tonight. But I want this to help you because I know we have some new Christians here. We have some people that have just started their faith walk. We have some people that may have been saved for a long time and not in a church like this where the Word's really taught like this. And then, of course, for you veterans, man, this always sharpens you up to help you do better at what you're doing. Mark chapter 4, first two verses, says this. And he began again to teach. And, you know, I, that, that's always important for me to see that. The most important part of Jesus' ministry was the teaching that he did. The teaching that he did put faith in the people's hearts to receive the ministry that he had. And for our church, uh, among all other things, this church, one of the most valuable things in this church is the teaching that we do because it gives you faith to receive what God wants you to get. And so it's always important to see in the Bible like that how much Jesus really taught. Yeah, he did He did a lot of healing, a lot of miracles, but he did a lot of teaching before he did that so people knew what to expect and they could receive from him. So he began to teach by the seaside. And there was gathered to him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea. And the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. Now look at this. Here's what I want you to see, because this is where we are tonight. <clears throat> and he taught them many things by parables and said unto them and his doctors. He taught them many things by parables. And I learned off of Jesus, and that's the kind of ministry he's put in me. I teach by parables every week, except I don't call it that. But how many times you heard me teach, you know, like, like I'll teach about electrical things sometimes. I'll talk about electricity and, and the anointing of the Spirit of God moves like electricity does. There's a power source and it comes to somebody that needs the power. Well, see, I'm getting into the parable reader there, but I'm showing you a natural thing to show you a spiritual thing. I'll say, you know what? There was a certain truck driver I knew once and this truck driver, et cetera, et cetera, he had something to deliver, but he had to do it legally. He had to have a bill, he had to have a freight bill. And he had to know the route how to get there, and he couldn't get deterred, or they wouldn't get the job done. And now the Spirit, here's what that means. And so I'll tell you stories like that, and I do what Jesus did. A parable, if you want to write this down, this definition the Lord gave me probably 35 years ago, and I've always used it and heard other people use similar definitions, but a lot of things he taught me, he told me, and then I heard other people teach him, and I've got some things off other people, but a parable is this, get this, it's a natural illustration to help you understand a spiritual truth. A natural illustration to help you understand a spiritual truth. How many know that when Jesus talked to fishermen, he said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Well, these fishers, they could understand, wow, we catch fish, he's going to show us how to catch men for him. They understood fishing, and so then when you think about fishing, you know, if you really get in deep thinking about it, you start thinking, wow, these guys were fishing with nets. I call that evangelistic outreaches. And then some of them, times, sometimes Jesus, he talked to the woman at the well. That's pole fishing. You're catching one at a time. You're still catching one at a time. And then there's different bait. And I found out as a pastor, the best bait in the whole world is kids. 
I'll tell you what, you take care of the kids and you'll draw grandma and grandpa in. You'll draw, you'll draw mom and dad in. You'll draw aunts and uncles in. That's why we love Easter plays. That's why we love Christmas plays. We love to do those things. We love to highlight, highlight the kids to where the kids are up here getting to shine and praise God for all of our great children's church workers, leaders, teachers, everything they do. You would not understand the amount of time they put into these children's plays to do that. Just to come up there for a half hour or so like that. But when you look out here in the crowd and you see these heathen grandparents sitting there, And then little Johnny and little Mary goes, Well, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. How many want to receive Jesus? And the... What are we doing? We're catching men. What's our bait? It's the children. Amen. That's what we do. That's how this works. And then, and then Jesus talked about carpentry. The wise man built his house upon the sand. I was listening to see if you were okay. The only one caught that. Okay. Somebody needs to study that one more. But the wise man built his house upon the rock. Foolish man built his house upon the sand. And when you're talking to carpenters, and you listen, I think, wow, out here in California, I went to my insurance man the other day getting earthquake insurance. Never had it yet. I decided I'm going to get earthquake insurance. He says, is your house above the ground or is it on a slab? What to know like that? It makes a difference. And so, when you understand those natural things, then you understand the spiritual truth. And so he told that the spiritual truth out of that was this. The one that comes to me and hears my word and obeys my word said he's building on a solid foundation. Then when the storms of life come, they won't blow your spiritual house down. Your family will stand. Your business will stand. Your health and your healing will stand when you hear the word. Begin to get it in your heart and speak it out of your mouth and obey what the Bible says. Jesus said that's a solid foundation. And then he said the foolish person, they hear it. They sit in the services like this. Pastor said, how many bought their Bible? And they're just sitting there, no Bible. Says, how many bought a notebook? No notebook. And they leave here and say, oh, I just feel so good when I leave that church. I feel so good. Well, guess what? That feel-good doesn't get you healed when when the attack comes. That feel-good doesn't save your marriage. That feel-good in the service, those goosebumps, don't put money in the bank for you. So when the storm comes and in those areas of life, because you didn't build your foundation on the rock of hearing and doing, how can you hear and do if all you do is hear it and hear and forget it by the time you get out the door? So anyway, Jesus taught many things by parables. And then also, you know, if you're a serious student of the Word of God, a parable doesn't have multiple things to teach in one parable. A parable only has one theme. Now, Jesus talked about allegories, too. Paul did. Allegories have lots of things in some of those stories. But a parable and an allegory are two different things. I'm not going down that road. A parable only has one spiritual truth to get across. And when you study his parables, did you get that truth out of the parables? So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at this parable that Jesus taught. And matter of fact, his own words will say in a few minutes was, it's the most important one there ever was. And so one central truth or moral to teach us, and he said he taught him many things by parables in his doctrine. And so I want to show you the spiritual truth 
that Jesus taught this parable. And I want you to, like I said, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit here. We'll jump ahead to verse 13, and then we'll come back and backtrack and look at some things. So I want you to see, so you get a picture of what it is, the truth, that Jesus wants you to get out of this. And so he's talking about a farmer starts off with sowing seed. We're not reading that part yet. But anyway, he gets down to this. And Well, matter of fact, I'll do verse 13 first. He said unto them, Know ye not this parable? And how then will you know all parables? So what he's saying is this. If you understand this parable, this is the master key to understanding all my parables and all my truths. He said, if you don't understand this, your Christian life's not going to amount to much because this is the key to understanding his parables. That's what he says in verse 14. Talk about a farmer. Talk about planting seeds in the ground. And I want you to notice this. He says, the sower soweth what? The word. He's talking about a farmer as a natural illustration to get across the spiritual truth. The farmer soweth what? The word. And these are they by the wayside where? Say that. Say it out loud. The word. I want you, I want you, I want you to have to, it's really important to get your participation in this because Jesus is going to show you something here that will absolutely always get you victory in life if you'll get it. And so, so far, he's talking about the word. Says the sower soweth the word. And then these are they by the wayside where the what? Is sowed. But when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and take the way that was sowed in their hearts. We, don't, we only have about 20% participation right now. Let's hook up and go with this. Okay, verse 16. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard, immediately receive it with gladness, and have no root in themselves, and so endure, but for a time afterward, when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as here, the word. And the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and lust of other things, therein in choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as here, the word, and receive it, uh, and bring forth fruit some thirtyfold, some sixty, or some a hundredfold. And so how many think that the truth Jesus wants us to see is the value of the word of God in the heart and life of a believer? Did you notice that Jesus said Satan's target wasn't you? It was the word in you. The word in you. Now we're going to look at these other verses here and highlight on this. But you might want to write this down. The Lord gave me this phrase years and years and years ago. And uh, this is really how wraps up this parable, what I'm going to say here. Matter of fact, i got it written down at home. I still look at it all the time. It's this. Here's the bottom line of this parable. Satan can't stop the word from working. Satan can't stop the word from working. All he can do, write this down, all he can do is try to stop you from working the word. Satan can't stop God's word from working. He's got to stop you from working the word to stop the word. 
And so I'm going to look through some of these things in this parable here. But the main thing is, we see this starts off by saying that God's word is God's seed. God's word is seed. How many here have ever planted a seed? Ever planted in good dirt and watered it? What happens when that seed is planted, watered, take care of? It grows. What happens? What happens if you plant your seed on top of the ground and there's birds around? Birds come and peck it up. That's what he said. Satan cometh immediately, steal the word. What happens if you plant your seed and there's rocks right out of the ground, a layer of shell or something, and there's no root system? And you get these spraying rains and the rains rain on it and the roots can't go down. They go out because it's shallow. They can't go any deeper. What happens when the sun comes out? That's the end. And that's where we're going to be looking at this parable right here. What happens... If you plant your seed, your plants start coming up and you don't take care of the garden and vines and thorns and stuff comes in and start choking it. Well, it started growing good, started doing good, but then it got shut off before you got good fruit because you didn't take care of it. And the, and the uh, vines and thorns stuff come in, they took care of it. That's what Jesus talked about in this parable. That's the natural illustration to get across the spiritual truth. And so we understand, when we understand how God made us, it says, Adam was made out of the dirt of the earth. And so that's what we are. That's what happens when a physical body goes down, turns back into dirt eventually, it's back into the earth again. That's what we are. And so our hearts, matter of fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul said that our hearts are God's uh, garden place. Our hearts are God's soil. God's word is God's seed. And so we need to get the seed planted in our heart, then take care of our spiritual life. If that happens, it's impossible to stay sick because divine healing seeds are growing. It's impossible to stay broke if you're planting financial seeds on tithing, offerings received from God in there. It's impossible. It's impossible to walk in hatred and unforgiveness if you're planting God's word seeds on love and forgiveness to people. Because what's in there grows. As a matter of fact, Galatians 5 calls it the fruit. The fruit of the Spirit. When you plant the right stuff from the Word of God and it begins to grow, and Jesus said, if you understand this parable, you understand everything. If I want to change this church, and I've changed this church a lot of ways, I've learned from God, i got to start planting seeds for the Word of God in a certain area. I'll start preaching on that. And when I'm preaching on that, the Holy Spirit using me as a master gardener, begins to plant seeds in a certain direction. You know, if I know that people are struggling in their marriages, if I see an epidemic of marriage hits coming, I begin to teach on the family at home and marriage and husbands and wives and how to treat each other. And what happens? That seed begins to get in your hearts. And, you know, whether you know it consciously or not, subconsciously that seed's getting planted and then you're going to start dozing on your own as you read your Bibles, things about husband-wife relationships start jumping off at you. And you start seeing those things. And marriages start changing. Things start getting better. If I see, if, if I see an epidemic of sickness coming across the congregation, all of a sudden, man, where's so-and-so? Well, they're at the emergency room. Where's so-and-so? Well, they're at the hospital. Well, where are they at? Their kids are all sick. Well, this one's all sick. 
It's going around. I think, well, glory to God, man, it's time to just work the garden again. So we'll start teaching on healing in an excessive manner again. We'll start teaching, put more healing seeds out there. We'll start water. We'll start watering those seeds that's already in you. And what starts happening? You start recognizing there's been vines choking your fruit. And so that you yourselves will start confessing the word more. You'll start saying what God says more about your health. And next thing you know, your emergency room visits, they back off. The kids start going to school more. And then this confession, remember Jesus said, Mark chapter 11, verse 23, you'll have what you say. You'll quit saying, well, you know, we are the public schools and it goes around. Well, just because you're in the public schools and it goes around doesn't mean your kids have to get it. Amen. Amen. Somebody said, Pastor, I'm guilty of that. I always say that. You always say that, and they always get that. Why can't we be like the children of Israel in Egypt? When the plagues came through Egypt, how many of the children of Israel got it? Say zero. They didn't get it. That's why God, when he judged Egypt, that's why they saw the difference between Israel and Egypt. They were right in the midst of the calamity. Israel was protected. We could be in the midst of an academic and we could be protected. Our kids don't have to get it. Well, Jesus said it this way, according to your faith be it done unto you. Amen. It's what you believe, what you receive. So anyway, Jesus said, if you understand this parable... You'll understand all my parables. So if you don't understand this, you'll understand nothing. And so the parable is seed time and harvest with the Word of God. Seed time and harvest with the Word of God. If you don't like the direction your life is, you've got to start planting seeds from the Word of God in your heart and confessing them and watering them. Amen. Has this helped anybody? Amen. And so I want to look at a couple of things here now just, just to help you see this. Let's go back to verse 3. He says this, Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow. And it came to pass as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it. Well, if I had the New Living Translation that Pastor Dave uses a lot, sometimes I've been using it. If I had it, it'd say something like this, A farmer went out to plant seed in his field. And then say the birds came and ate the seed. Well, now, as he explains the parable, parable over here, uh, look over verse 13, or verse, verse 14, and this tells you what he said in verse 3 and 4. He gave you the natural side, and now he's telling you the spiritual implication. Verse 14 says, uh, the sower soweth the word. As I said, the farmer planted the seed, the sower soweth the word. Right now, I'm the sower. You're the soil. Jesus used me to plant some things in your heart right now. And says that these are they by the wayside. Verse 4 says that the fowls of the air, the birds came and devoured it up. And then verse 15 says these are they by the wayside where, where the word is sown. Where the word is sown. The seed is the word of God is sown. And when they have heard Satan cometh immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. Now listen to this. This is the spiritual interpretation of this parable of what he said. Right now, tonight, God's using me to say some very, very, very awesome, wonderful things about the spiritual world to you right now. Well, as soon as we leave the church tonight, some of you 
going to get caught up with so many other things, distractions. I won't pick up your Bible again until next Friday night or next Sunday or something like that because you're busy with life. Because you're busy with life, the word that was sown, Jesus said the word was sown in the hearts, Satan cometh immediately, get you so busy, you forget this. And you know what I would suggest, what I always did, what I still do? I would take notes on my page and sometime, hopefully within about a day before it gets too much time behind you, because if you get too much time behind you, the word's already stolen. When I go to Dr. Barclay's meetings that we go to in San Diego every year, and when Pastor Gatlin's here, Tony Cook, anybody else, man, I'm writing, 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 writing. Man, it all sounds so good. I'm writing. And then when I get home, within about, if I can't do it that day, at least the next day of my devotion time, I get my yellow marker out. I go through all the things I wrote down and the things I really know were speaking to me, I put yellow through them. And then I, I keep those, but I keep going through those yellow parts of it. And then when I got time, I read some of the other things again. I go through that. And then I open up my Bible again. And nuggets that he explained verses I didn't understand before. I'll take my Bible. I always like to give Bibles a great big uh, spaces beside the pages like that. You know, the edges like that, the center column. I'll take my Bible then. And I'll take the nuggets they gave me for those verses. I'll write it right there in black. And this is just my system I developed years ago. Then I'll circle that in red. I'll take a straight edge. I'll draw to that verse. I'll put yellow through the verse. I'll put yellow through my notes. And then if there's any verses he gave that are alive with those as a reference point, I'll put those verses right there next to that, verse 2. And then when I'm studying my Bible different times, I think, man, what was it Tony Cook was talking about? Oh, he's talking about grace. Yeah, he's talking about grace in Galatians chapter 3. i got to go see that again. I'll go back there, and then the Holy Spirit helps me to keep that word alive in me that I got that helped me because I'm, I'm, I'm all about changing. You know, uh, I'm still growing. You know, I'm, I'm a pretty seasoned, mature Christian and preacher, but I'm still learning new things. I'm still growing. Matter of fact, this year, there's at least two or three passages of the Bible I've prayed about for years I never understood, but I understand it now this year fresh because I saw them fresh because I've studied, but I recognize I learned this parable years ago from Jesus that if I'm going to understand how this life works, he said, if you don't know this parable, you won't know anything. He said, if you understand this, you'll understand everything. So I've always known the value of the word. I've always known that. I've always known that if I want to grow, if I want to help my congregation more, I've got to stay in the Word of God to keep that Word going to my heart. So the first thing Satan does, when you've heard something really good, he'll come immediately to make sure you forget it. And so if you don't write it down, if you don't go back and look at it, you will forget it. Amen. I don't care if you're young. I don't care if you're old. Whoever you are in life, if you don't do something to help you remember it, you'll forget it. And what that is is Satan stole it. And the first time the Lord began to teach this parable to me where I could teach it to a church, back in Indiana, we, just, we didn't just have these ugly blackbirds. We had all kinds of birds out there. We had robins and cardinals and woodpeckers. and We lived by the woods. We had, we had probably, I don't know, 15, 20 varieties of birds out there. This Martinsville people back there. All the beautiful birds in Martinsville. Well, outside, my, I had a great big dining room window. They looked out to my apple. We had an apple orchard, pears and apples in our orchard. I look out the window at the orchard, 
And we had these bird feeders I put outside my window because we like to watch the birds out there. And we noticed that we bought, we bought our bird seed at the store and said bird seed. It didn't say you plant the seed to grow stuff. It said bird seed, but it said seed. And so we kept those bird feeders filled up. And those birds, we kept so much seed out there, they spilled it on the ground. And it rained so much, anything grew that grew. And boy, there's all kinds of flowers grew up all around those bird feeders because it was real seed. Those birds, the seed was for them. What they spilled over and didn't eat, it actually grew. And so that's what happens with us. We got this seed, and if we put it in, it will grow. But if we leave it on top of the ground and do anything with it, Satan will peck it away. And you'll lose what you've got. And then that's why all the time you're crying and you're moaning and you're wondering, how come it doesn't work for me? How? Well, you're violating the law of seed time and harvest. If you want the harvest, you got to get that seed in there and don't let Satan seal it. You know, a lot of times when we're praying over the congregation before we preach, I pray this. I say, Lord, I thank you in the name of Jesus that they're not going to let the devil steal the word out of their hearts today. And before I preach, I'll say, Satan, I bind you in Jesus' name for stealing this word out of these people's hearts. They need it. They came to get it. And I bind you, Satan, in Jesus' name for stealing this word. And I suggest you start doing the same thing. Start taking authority over the devil. And you know something that happens sometimes? You're hearing this. It has happened to me. It happens to everybody. If you don't train yourself, start guarding yourself from distractions. You know, sometimes you'll get somebody in the church, they'll start coughing. They can't help but cause their coughing. You know, something gets on them, they'll try to get it off. You know, I know if people cough too much, they'll walk out of the service, something like that. But sometimes, if you get distracted at that, that might be the very time God's talking to you through this passage. And all of a sudden, you're turned around looking, or a baby starts crying. And you're distracted. And Satan's already still in the words that get planted in your heart. Things start happening to distract you. And so, to be a serious student of the Word of God, you've got to train yourself. You've got to train yourself to ignore distractions. Because that's one of Satan's tactics to cause you to just get sidetracked and miss out on what God's wanting. So, anybody seeing this? Amen. And so, God wants to talk to you when He's, when he's in these services. So, anyway, that's that part. Then I want you to notice this, verse 5. Verse 5 says this. As some fell on stony ground, we mentioned this, where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But where the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And so what he says this is this, verse 16. And these are they likewise, which are sown on stony ground, who where they have heard the word, and there's the key again, they've heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness and have no root in themselves and have no root in themselves. It doesn't take root, stony ground. And so endure, but for a time afterward, when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. That means, that means they're shut down. They're discouraged. They're moved off course because they have no root in themselves. But you notice it says they receive it with gladness. And as a pastor, you know, I'm nice, I talk nice. But I see things and I don't express them how I see them. I can pretty much tell you a lot of times who's going to make it and who's not going to make it. And you know, I can tell you, this church has been here, I've been here 12 years 
I've probably seen what I'm, I'm going to tell you something I've seen probably hundreds of times right here. We've got a lot of people sit here at night. Some of them have been here a lot longer than I have. Some of them have been here about as long as we've been here. How many know that this church right now, if all the joyful, excited, this is my church Christians were here tonight, the parking lot would be full. These seats would all be up. We'd have more seats we had to have in here. How many have heard the ones come in here and after one, oh, this is my church. Oh, God led me here. Oh, 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 this is it. I found it. Where are they three weeks from now? If they prayed for it and they found it and God sent them, you know what they did? They came in, they immediately received that word with joy. Jesus said that. Said they immediately received, they said they had no root system. Said they had no root system. The Christianity was shallow. You know, the pastor gets up here on Sunday morning and tells him, you guys that are missing, that come to Sunday night, you don't know what you're missing. Sunday nights, well, they don't have time because Columbo's on at 7 o'clock. Or Mannix or whoever else it is they're watching. You know, they're watching something on there or the, or the goofy football game so they watch the people argue about kneeling or not kneeling, raising hands, not raising hands. Watch that. Yeah, you're going to get a good spiritual root system watching that garbage. Amen. I'm not talking against football. I'm talking about the goofy people that's doing things. And so you don't get a root system that way. They come and they get joy. Hey, you guys, you need to come on Wednesday night. We call it the family night, Hour of Power. We got a nursery here that night. We got two nurseries. We have things for all the family. Hey, come in. We're not going to keep you long. We know you have to get up early uh, Thursday morning, go to work. Kids get up from school. We're not going to keep you. Come out Wednesday night. I'll tell you what, that's a power boost you need. You're going to hear some good stuff. Where are they at? They're not here. They're not developing a root system. I'll give you, I'm going to give you a verse to write down, write down how to develop a root system. Psalms chapter 1, verses 1, 2, and 3. Tells you who not to hang around with. And then he says, Blessed is the man that meditates in the Word of God day and night. Amen. So what's God saying? God said, be serious about the Word because it's daytime. Well, guess what? The sun goes down, it's nighttime. God said, meditate the Word at nighttime. That doesn't mean that you're somebody that has your Bible open every day, all day long. That means that you have a Christian lifestyle where you do read your Bible, you do learn Bible verses, you write things down, and you think about what the Word of God has to say. Uh, like like Donnie's talking about those verses that he got out of our Bible study this week. By the way, those Bible verses we put in there, I just don't pull those out there. There, I pray and I ask the Lord. I said, Lord, what is it? You want to say to these people this next month, what do you want to say? And we put things down. And then Donnie got that one right there, right when he needed it. But I know Donnie has meditated on that since then, day and night. He's thought about that. And by meditation, that doesn't mean you're one of the, one of the goofy, fake religions sitting down there doing the, ooh, like that, I'm a rock, I'm a rock. Or whatever it is they do, I don't know, dumber than a box of rocks. But, but what that means is this. Meditate means to ponder out loud by talking to yourself, by repeating the Word of God, talking it out loud. As you say that, how does faith cometh? By hearing. Who do you hear the most in life? It's not your husband, your wife, your boss, or your pastor, or anybody else. It's you. You're the only one that you're around 24-7. And so you're the one that can preach faith to you better than anybody else. 
Faith cometh by hearing. That's why the Bible says to meditate. That means you're talking it out loud. And if you can't talk it out loud, at least you can be thinking about it. I know I went to doctor's test this week and I tell these guys it's some weird stuff. I laid there and said, man, this guy started poking me. And I thought, man, all I can think of John 3.16. And <laughs> then, God so love the world. Thank you, Jesus. Woo, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> like that. But anyway, that was, a, that was a different kind of meditation. But the thing was, I knew my help was in the Word of God. And you've got to be doing that all the time. And when you're doing that, you are developing a root system. You're developing a root system. But I want you to notice in this root system, when he said that uh, that afterward with affliction, our persecution comes for the word's sake, it means they are offended. Well, that offended means that they're shut down, they're discouraged, and affliction. Now, get this. This is going to help you because he tells you different things here that helps you to see what to do to effectively fight the spiritual warfare. Affliction are attacks on your flesh or your outward man, on the outward arena, on your soul. There are circumstances of life, hard times. There might be money problems, might be job problems, might be marriage problems. Afflictions, you know, I've seen so many times people be doing really good and they get hit with money problems, they back off church. Why are they back? I don't know. They have family problems, they back off church. Well, Jesus told me right here, said that's a tactic of Satan to steal the word. You know, I say it all the time. When you go through a hard time, do you get more faith or less faith if you come to church? Amen. Do you get more anointing or less anointing if you come to church? Amen. Well, for some reason, when these afflictions come, if there's not a serious root system going on, he says they're offended and they back off. They might not get offended at church, they get offended at life. They get offended with God. They do the, oh God, why'd you let this happen to me? Well, if you stay in the Word long enough, you find out God didn't let it happen to you. God told you, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. God told you, don't give place to the devil. God told you, Cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for you, because Satan walks around as a roaring lion. See if he can find an open door to come into you. God tells you that, but then people get offended at God and wonder why God. It wasn't why God. It's people didn't do something about it themselves in the name of Jesus. Amen? And so that's what afflictions came for the word's sake, to steal the word, or persecution. Persecutions are different than afflictions. Persecutions are people harassing you. Because you're a Christian. They might be a friend. It might be a religious Christian. It might be a relative, a boss. In other words, somebody, now listen to this. you got to understand spiritual things. It might be somebody unconsciously yielding to evil spirits. Did you know that we as Christians, myself included, that I can yield to my flesh, to an evil spirit, or to the Holy Spirit. You've got to train yourselves to recognize what's going on around you. And you know, uh, somebody comes attacking you verbally. Jesus said, turn the other cheek. When you open your mouth to get into strife and discord over things that don't matter, you're stepping into Satan's territory. And when you do, he's got a right to attack you. And so the best thing to do when people are attacking you with words of strife that don't matter anyway about anything that really matters, what difference does it make 
if you win that little battle or not, you're in it for the long haul to win the war. Like Pastor Dave said, you got to see the big picture. So why would I, and I'm thinking about Dominic now, while he's talking about these doors, God's opened It would be foolish for Dominic, with all the things God's doing in his life, to have somebody say something stupid about him or his family or his church and Dominic to slip to the flesh and get into a debate with him about trying to defend something doesn't matter. Let God defend. But you, you cross that line there and it says they get offended because of persecution. I like what Brother Hagin always said. He said, if they accuse me of killing my own grandma, he said, I wouldn't take time tonight. He said, I'd just keep on walking along, praising the Lord, shouting the victory. Amen. We have to get a hold of this because Jesus told us that if we understand this, we understand everything. And I want to emphasize this again. Satan's target is not you. You're just a carrier of the word. His target is take the word out of you. Because he gets the word out of you, then he's got you. You keep the word working in your heart, in your mouth, in your life, you win. And so he, know, he knows what the admonition is. He knows the admonition against him is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God in your mouth. Amen. No better preach than you are shouting, but we'll, we'll, we'll get through this to help you. Because I want you to see these few things right here. And then he says, I want you to see this, verse 7 and verse 8. It says, And some fell among thorns, <clears throat> the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. It was growing plants then. The plants are growing, got choked, and it yielded no fruit. And so what that says then in verse 18, And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things that are in choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. It becometh unfruitful. Now get this. This is why I'm teaching you this so you see something maybe you didn't pick up on before. Something couldn't become unfruitful unless it was already fruitful. A baby apple tree that's never had any apples yet has not been fruitful. It's only fruitful when it's got apples. And so this letter here, he's talking about a level of Christians that most of you are. Most everybody sitting here tonight is a fruit-bearing Christian. You're already bearing fruit for Jesus. You're serving Him. You're working for Him. You're having fruit of the Spirit manifested in your life on the job every day. You're fruitful. And it says, these things entered in, choke the Word so you become unfruitful. This talk about Christians that are already doing it. He couldn't stop the word from working. The word's working. But now they get this place where it says the lust of other things entering in chokes the word. Chokes the word. As a matter of fact, that Bible says that then they bring no fruit to maturity. And so what that means, the lust of other things entering in, that's an inward attack on your soul that nobody can see. You know those elements of persecution afflictions? That was on the outside, things coming against him from the outside, circumstances, people, things. He says here, it's lust of other things that are in. And in 1 John chapter 2, I think it's about verse 5 through 7, something like that. He says, love not the world, neither the things that are in this world. For the love of the world is not the love of God, etc., etc. And so what that is, is this. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, you start getting this thing coming against you. i got to make more money. i got to make more money. 
Well, that means I have to give up two services a week. But I'm going to make more money. I'm going to make more money. Or all my family gets new cars every two years. My car is five years old. And it's just about paid off. So I'm going to get a new car. That's the lust of other things entering in. Well, all my family's kids have got this. They've got that. And so because they've got this and they got that, you're being hit on the inside. And nobody sees that except you and God and the devil that's throwing temptation your way to back off of God and start chasing after money and things. Jesus said in Matthew 6.33, Put me first and I'll add all these things to you. And Mrs. Pastor and I know all those years we was raising kids didn't have a lot of money. I cannot tell you the times that the rich people in our church that brought the very super duper <coughs> name brand clothes that we still don't buy yet would give us their name brand clothes that their kids wore one time and outgrew and gave us. So we always had a lot of good name brand clothes. A lot of times we put the kingdom of God first and God sent that stuff to our doorway anyway. We got it without giving up our Christianity and our spiritual walk. We got those things because God took care of them. So he says right here, the lust of other things entering in choke the word and become unfruitful. And so there's just a warning there Jesus gives us, those tax on the soul. we got to make sure that when we get desires to go chasing after money, they're God's desires, and we don't compromise our spiritual walk to chase after money. We chase after God, and money will chase after us. Amen. How many times? You know, back in Indiana, we don't have this problem here. There's other problems here. Back in, any t- back in Indiana, I knew at least a couple different families. <clears throat> they got the big boat because we had lots of lakes out there. Well, Pastor, it's summertime. <laughs> you won't be seeing us. I thought, oh, thank you, Jesus. Not another one. So they get the boat. And guess what? I didn't see them until they went to divorce court. Because the boat became their God and God was the first of their marriage. So then, through the vacation, every weekend vacation of the boat, and the money it took to pay the boat, and no spiritual life gone, the fruit they had became unfruitful. It was choked. And so just the caution Jesus has given us there is watch out as a mature Christian if there's things you wouldn't compromise before about your church life, your spiritual life. You know, I guess the simplest way to say it is this. Too many Christians come in here hurting, suffering, messed up in life, like John, you know, delivered from things. And I've had lots of other people deliver a lot of things in life. But I've seen too many of them. They got delivered, and then they left their first love. All of a sudden, life's going good, marriage is good, job's good, health's good, and all of a sudden they forgot where it came from. And, you know, I'm not talking about the church. I'm talking about Jesus but Jesus in the church helped them to get to where they were. So then things begin to choke them out. Well, you know what? Man, we, we was going three times a week, but we need it then. We don't need it now. Everything's okay. Let's just back off of service. Well, you know what? This is our family day. Uh, we can have church at home just because we can't at church. We can have church right here. Let's get all the kids together. Let's sit down. We'll give a Bible lesson. Guess what? There's no corporate anointing there. There's no pastor to hear uh, unction from the Holy Ghost to give a special word to you. There's no priest to bring your tithe into to give it to God at the altar. And all those things that God ordained they miss out on. And it all started back because they let their guard down. And the lust of other things entered in, choked that word, became unfruitful. Is this helping anybody?
So Jesus told us this is the most important parable that he ever taught. And I want to finish this up by the last thing he said. Verse 8. And other fell on good ground and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth some thirty, some sixty, and some a hundred. And he said unto them, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And so then, over here in verse 20, he explains what he said there about the good ground, the good fruit. And these are they which are sown in good ground. Now listen to this. Such as, hear the word and receive it and break forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, some a hundredfold. And so Jesus right there told us two things. He said, listen with your ears. But most importantly, listen to your spiritual ears. He said that he that hath an ear to hear, let him hear. So make sure you're not just hearing it, but make sure you're hearing it. And then he said they hear it and they receive it and break forth the fruit. Thirtyfold, sixtyfold, a hundredfold. Their Christian life is growing, it's increasing. Not just talking about money. He's talking about your life, your influence, how God's using you. And so the key in this as we close it down is this. Hear God's word, speak God's word, guard God's word, and you've got a choice in life. When the test of life comes, if you know the Bible says don't do it, don't do it. If you know the Bible says do it, then do it. If you do those things Jesus said, you will bear fruit for him, and you'll be a fruit-bearing Christian. That's what we want. And so Jesus said, if you understand this parable, you understand it all. I understand life in the kingdom of God because I understand this parable. And I hope you got a greater understanding tonight after hearing it too. Don't let Satan come into your life and steal the word out of your life. It's the most important thing you can ever have in this life next to your relationship with Jesus is knowing the value of the word of God. Amen. Let's stand up. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.